2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 8. says, I, Paul, myself, entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I, who am humble when face to face with you, but bold toward you when I am away. I beg of you that when I am present, I may not have to show boldness with such confident confidence as I count on showing against some who suspect us of walking according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, are not of the flesh, but of divine power to destroy strongholds. Casting down arguments and every opinion that raises itself up against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Look at what is before your eyes. If anyone is confident that he is Christ, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ, so are we. Somebody say, so am I. For even if I boast a little too much of our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not for destroying you, I will not be ashamed. I won't preach from the subject this morning. Imagine. You may be seated. I want you to understand that relationships are very important to your destiny. They're important to your destiny, to your discipline, to your dreams, and to your discipleship. Somebody say relationship. You got to make them talk to you. Make sure you don't go to sleep. Just talk back. There's a lot of talking back to me this morning. Relationships or the lack of speak to destiny because God uses people to grow and direct you to it. God strategically places people in our lives. The people that are in your life are not there by accident. Somebody say they're there for purpose. Relationships speak to discipline because of how it speaks to how we treat one another. The Bible says that they will know you're my disciple by the love you have toward one another. So you gotta be you gotta be disciplined, you know, when you're dealing with people. Because if you don't have discipline, self-control. Some of you found that out when you cut somebody out and then you couldn't take it back. If you just had a little bit more discipline. <laughs> but it speaks to dreams. Relationships speak to dreams because they play a role in achieving them. And discipleship, because without relationships, there can be no discipleship. But what we need to do is break strongholds. Come on, come on. Strongholds. We got to break strongholds from and off our relationships. Or we got to break any relationships that are strongholds themselves. Uh-oh. 
The enemy loves relationships that in fact cripple us from becoming all God wants us to be and to have. This new generation, this new generation, Alana said it to me one night. She she, she says it a lot, but she, she kind of opened her eyes to this word. It's the version of our, it's the new version of our picture that. Remember, when I tell you, know, you know, what you was, jump off a bridge, picture that. Yeah, you know, you broke, picture that. They don't say picture that today. They say, imagine. So if you say something, am I talking to anybody? Uh, like if I say what I got, if you say what I got on ain't, ain't fly, but imagine. Imagine me not, I ain't going to say nothing. <laughs> See, so what we need to do is be able to tell the enemy, imagine. Ooh, when he tries to build these strongholds in our lives. And this is what we see here happening in this text. Now, this is the second letter to the Corinthian church. Second Corinthians says second Corinthians for a purpose. There was a reason that Paul had to write to them a second time. It wasn't because he liked this church that he sent multiple letters. It was because they didn't get it the first time. Uh oh. There was a need for this for this second letter. He was correcting some stuff. The Judaizers had erected some strongholds in that church, and Paul had to address some problems. They were already a very fleshly church. I told you I ain't got time to talk about, but Corinthians had everything in it. They had the, the son was sleeping with the uh, father's. That's all in itself crazy. They was suing each other. They was there was all kind of stuff going on in this church. They were they couldn't get along. They were having fights about who belonged to who, what clique was with what clique, sort of like. Next level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we too small for clicks, but they're, they're in here. And if they ain't, they will try to erect themselves. Somebody say they're coming down today. Uh, but bigger churches really got them. They, it's like crews. You got to be careful. You got to know what side of the church to sit on. Okay. False apostles and other critics were challenging Paul's role as a true apostle of Jesus Christ. Paul tackles one of their arguments against him in this chapter. Their attack, their attack implies hypocrisy, cowardice, or both. Distractors say that Paul was brave when he was away writing letters, but he was lacking confidence when he was face to face. Put it even more bluntly, Paul quotes them as saying, his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech of no account. That's in 2 Corinthians 10.10. 10. The gist of their accusation seemed to be that a true apostle should be more impressive in person. Apparently, the false apostles were vying for the hearts and the minds of the Corinthians, Right? Because they were forceful speakers. I'm trying to help you with relationships. <laughs> they implied that the Corinthians could ignore Paul's strong letters because he would not be strong enough to back them up when he came in person. Uh-oh. 
Paul doesn't argue with this with the characterization that his letters are strong compared to his personal conduct, nor does he deny that he is not impressive in person. We know that Paul had eye issues. His body was beat. He was he was old. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't like a strong Samson. He wasn't, he didn't look like the part. Nor does he deny that is okay. Instead, he begins by pointing to his meekness and gentleness. He also points to the meekness and gentleness of Christ. In doing so, Paul suggests that such traits should not be mistaken for weakness. Christ, after all, humbled himself to the point of death, and he was not weak. Among those lines, Paul begins, begs the Corinthians not to make him show how bold and confident he can be in person when he comes to visit them. He is prepared to be surprisingly brash with those who are accusing him of a lack of integrity. Follow this. Rivals for the Corinthians' loyalty may see themselves in competition with Paul, but he understands it to be a spiritual war not to be fought with physical means. Now, what does that have to do with relationships? I'm glad you asked, because the same thing that was happening then happens now. And I told you, I've never seen this in studying this text, but the more you study a text, the more your eyes get open to really what's happening in this text. And what he was doing was straightening up some things because what the Judaizers were in fact trying to do was set up strongholds in the relationships that the leader had with his church. Hmm. And if you're not careful, people of God, the relationships that you cultivate or do not cultivate will, in fact, mess up your destiny, your dreams, and your purpose. And there are people, henchmen, sent by Satan to go ahead and erect some things that will break up relationships in your life that, in fact, bless you. So let's go to work. I'm in four areas now. Now, he says in, in the text, let's go to the text. I won't be before you long. Paul, myself, I beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ who am present and base among you, but being pres- absent and bold toward you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence wherein I think to be bold against some which think of us as if we walk according to the flesh. Now, don't let that language mess you up because you read it a couple of times and you're lost already. It's like, what is he talking about? But I'm here to help you. When the enemy wants to erect a stronghold in your relationships, there are four areas that he's going to attack. And we're going to see all four of them in this text. Four areas. That if we shore them up, we'll have victory. The first one, what you see in these two chapters, in these two short verses, is that he is trying to erect a stronghold coming against his ability. Write that down. Ability. I'm staying with A's today. Now, ability has much to do with identity. Because when you know who you are, you know what you can do. Right? A lot of your ability is not only with who you are, but who you belong to. Your relationship to Christ gives you boldness to operate and function in the things that he ordained for you to do. 
So when people want to come and they want to question your ability, they are questioning your identity and what, oh, y'all better help me. So when you have boldness in who you are, it manifests itself in humility. Because when I know who I am, I don't got to be puffed up in front of you to make myself seem like I'm something that I'm not. So Paul was saying, I don't have to be bold in your breath because Paul knew who called him. He knew his ability and he knew his identity. Uh Uh-oh. See, when people are threatened by you, they want you to dumb down your image. They want you to dumb down your ability so because your identity threatens who they are because they don't know who they are. I'm preaching already. You better help me up in there. Imagine, that's the word. Imagine me not being who I am because it threatens you. Imagine, (laughs) imagine me not walking in my new name because you are afraid of who I am becoming. Imagine, yeah, I'm preaching. Uh, Imagine, tell your neighbor, imagine. See, I I know who I am because I, I, I have given, my identity has been given to me by my father. And see, people who who don't like your relationship, see, your relationships are built because of your identity. And when you know who you are, you know who you're not supposed to be around. Oh, y'all better help me. See, when you know who you are and what you are capable of, of doing, you don't need a whole lot of people to go ahead and solidify who you are. So you got to watch out for people who always need to be validated by who you are and who you are. And that's why you you are sitting in a church who, who prides itself on preaching the word because my job is to get you to understand who you are if you do not know who you are. And baby, when you begin to know who you are, you know your ability. You know that when storms rise because of who I am, I walk on water, I don't drown. Hey, you understand that I'm not ability I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because of my ability. And people hate the fact that you can do things with nothing when they got everything and can't do a day. Y'all not going to say nothing up in here. But you can be humble and people will mistake meekness for weakness, but meekness is not weakness. See, I don't serve a Jesus who's just me. He he came meek and lowly because he left everything. He owns everything. And because he owns everything, he was able to come and humble himself and... Uh, but but you wasn't going to take nothing for Christ. But at the same time, if you played Jesus cheap, he would flip over a table. Uh, yeah, he would go to the flea market and kick over everybody's merchandise and said, my father's house. When you know who you are, you'll walk up in a church, and if it don't look right, you'll say, nah, I don't have to be here. I don't need you to tell me who I am, because you got a big name up on the banner, because if you selling chicken, y'all not going to say nothing. 
My father's house will be a house of prayer. I told you before, before we sell chicken, we'll open up a Popeye's. Because if you're going to make money off it, you might as well make some money off it. Knock, knock. And then he says this, he says, for we walk in the flesh, we don't war in the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, through the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Number two, somebody say authority. Whenever the enemy wants to erect a stronghold in your relationships, he is going to attack your authority. Because of your relationships, you have authority in spiritual realms. Woo! I have authority in spiritual. I have authority that you can't see. These strongholds were what the Judaizers were setting up to weaken Paul's authority. And he was able to pull down imaginations. Somebody say imaginations. Imaginations are pictures. Pictures. Picture that. They're, they're pictures. See, it doesn't matter what it looks like when you have power to cast out, cast down, and cast in. Did I say that too fast? It, it doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what the enemy erects as an image. When you have the power to cast out, cast down, and cast in. He said we cast down imaginations. We bring it into captivity. Now some people are looking to break up your relationships with those that bless you. Because they have allowed images, imaginations to run wild. They, they, they perceive stuff that ain't there. They, they, they think everybody's out to get them. Somebody say it's an imagination. Don't stop allowing your imagination to run wild. You ain't that important. I'm not going to say nothing. To, to, why, why everything I do got to be about you? What imagination has been erected in your mind to make you think that everything that goes on is a conspiracy about you? But I have authority to cast it down. The reason why the devil messing with some of you is because you're not using your authority. The ultimate relationship that he's trying to destroy is that of you and your God. And so he wants to put imaginations in your mind that you don't deserve to, you know, you can't be forgiven. You went too far. It ain't ain't never going to work. You always going to be this. This is punishment. This is that. Cast down the imagination. It's exalting itself above Christ. Whatever picture you got in your mind that does not put God over it is a problem. 
because God is an ex and elo. He creates stuff out of nothing. God, he is the God that is above the arch. He spoke everything into existence. There is nothing that can go above God because anything that puts itself above God makes itself God. And since there is only one God, I can't allow you to become God in my life because of the authority that the authority... The, now, now, there's delegated authority, and you got to cast it down. They, so I'm trying to help you. They, we used to preach this, and, and yeah, it talks about all that, but he's after relationship because they were trying to break the relationship between Paul and his church, and he's telling them, listen, you got to cast down these imaginations. Ooh. See, the imaginations that they were trying to plant was that of legalism. Because they were trying to tell them that the Judaizers were stuck in Mosaic law. Paul was preaching the new covenant, grace. And so they they were torn between the two. And people who do not know who they are will get torn between religion and relationship. Okay, okay. I'm going to break that down real good for you so you can understand and be able to identify these people in your life because that's my goal today to let so you can identify the people who are trying to pull you into mosaic or if you're going to be operating a new covenant, which is grace. People in the mosaic want to tell you that you need to continue to because that you have to do something to be forgiven. Grace says it's already under the blood. So people want to hold your past under you. They're trying to hold you in Mosaic law. I'm not going to say nothing. They're trying to make you feel. You got, see, ain't no matter what amount of church you go to going to get you as, as dirty and nasty as you look at your neighbor and say, you know you dirty and nasty. That's right. Hey, ain't no amount of going to church going to help your stinking behind out. It's got to be grace. But people who want to keep you in that, they're the type of people that, like, if you do something for me, I'll do something for you. That's mosaic. Like, like, what have you done for me lately? Mosaic. They look for relationships that, and if you, and if you do, if you don't do something, if you don't tell them something, then they feel you don't like them no more. You don't love what, what happened? Why are you acting like that? Oh, what are I doing? And they won't try to figure it out because they in mosaic. So you got to constantly prod and rub their back and tell them you always with them. You'll never leave them off of Leave them people alone. You ain't going to say nothing. They messing with your authority. Because if you're not tearing down the image, you painting it. You decorating it. <laughs> Y'all better help me. I'm I'm not I've learned. I've learned. It took me a little while to learn that I am not going to allow what other people think to keep me from what I know. And then he says, and having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Somebody say administration. That's administration, y'all. Revenging disobedience has to do with administrative ability. Administration, by definition, means the process or activity of running a business organization. God gave Paul administrative authority to set his house in order. That's 
that's what God has given you in your relationship. Some of you have relationships with leaders and people. I ain't preaching yet. Christmas, slow down. You, you're doing too much right now. All right. So some of us got to understand. I'm, and I'm, I'm going to be there in about 10 minutes. All right. So. Some people want to come and mess with your relationships because they want to question what authority you have to administrate. How, how can? Because he says when you have a, a readiness to revenge disobedience when obedience is fulfilled, which means everything that happened because of disobedience, when obedience is fulfilled, it has to get restored. But there has to be a revenging of the disobedience. And they were trying to say to Paul, who gives you the right to say what is right and to administrate laws and rules on how this is supposed to govern? Okay, I'll help you since some of you are looking at me like I'm crazy. Uh, If you come to Bible study on Thursday night, all right, what you need to get Zoom because I'm not even going to talk about that no more. We talked about that in the meeting. Um, But I'll just go ahead and give you the commercial. It's just a little bit too much for me. You understand? It runs too much. So, you know, it's the same thing can't conversate with band and zoom at the same time it kind of breaks my teaching ability up so and and then i always got to take another phone and stuff so we we gotta we gotta work on that we'll figure it out um in the by and by but if you can't you know get on then you know yeah you can facetime and then they can go ahead and let you at least listen to what's happening on zoom but because if you're on band you're not really interacting anyway so um that's that but administration on Thursday night we talked about how Paul established the nine gifts right he gave the rules on how these gifts are supposed to function in the church that's administrative authority that's what and so they wanted to understand how who gave you this administrative authority it was God who gave him administrative authority. But authority is delegated by God. So God puts leaders now. I'm about to kill a demon now. I'm about to I'm about to hold the doors. I was just I'm about to kill a demon. You, you can't you cannot say that you are sitting under authority because you watching TD Jakes on TV every Sunday. That's not authority. The problem is you have a problem with authority. Administrative authority. You have to get under a leader. Now, David understood administrative authority when he was just anointed but not put in position. And so he had to obey what Saul, who was trying to kill him at the time, was laying out as law. You you want to talk about the leader? Let me, oh, I'm about to help some pastors out. I'm about to help some raggedy pastors out. Because uh, some people want to say, well, I ain't dealing. Do you know what the pastor's doing? Do you know what the this is doing? Don't be putting stuff at next level if I see any of y'all. Any of y'all talking bad about any pastor on any platform, you in trouble with your pastor. I'm just going to leave it at that. Because it's always the people that ain't doing jack that want to talk about the people that's doing... You don't know the cost and you don't understand that if you open your mouth and put anything wrong on a leader, good, bad or indifferent, that curse comes back on you. Ooh, because you don't have a right to talk about who God put in place. And the fact that you can't sit down under a bad leader tells me you ain't a good one. Ooh, I'm going to say that again. 
straight off the throne room. The fact that you can't sit under a bad leader tells me you are not a good one. Because you have to be able to submit. That is the question. And if you can't, then you're not going to learn. You can't go around quoting that God got me. God going to protect me. Well, if God going to protect you only when you think the leader is doing good for you, that's why the Bible says, why, what benefit is it to obey those who agree with you or who you like? You got to understand you have been called to follow and God will protect you. God not going to help me. And people don't like relationships because the past, when I started the church, when God said start the church, y'all know, because y'all was talking about me, I felt it. And I, if I couldn't take people talking about me, that's why I thank God for allowing me to get strung out on crack. Because crack taught me to not think about what y'all say. I'm not going to say nothing. You're not going to say nothing. So when, I, when he called me, I said, everybody's a leader. I put everybody in leadership. And the reason was because God had gave me wisdom to say, uh, these young people ain't going to fight and drive you crazy and be fighting for, for ain't nothing. They're like fighting over 10 cents. So put everybody in leadership and let you work your way out of a position. And I don't hear like, who gave him the right? Because I have administrative authority. Y'all ain't gonna say nothing. That, that's right. God gave. When it's your turn, it's your turn. But it's my turn. I have administrative authority. And I have the ability to delegate authority. Woo! And some people don't like you. Oh my God, I don't know who I'm talking to. Some people don't like you because they see you rising to the level of administrative authority. And they don't like the fact that you can go ahead and. <clears throat> Why I got to listen to you? You ain't the pastor. You ain't the leader. Uh, 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 you got a hard time. Well, I don't. I don't know why pastor put her in charge of that. I don't even like her. I can't even get along with her. I'm not gonna be on that ministry, uh, cause they don't know what they're doing. That's why your broke behind self can't get nowhere. Because you want a crew who think like you. And if I had a crew that think like me, none of these Negroes would be in here right now. <laughs> that would leave Nikki. Y'all <laughs> ain't going to say nothing. administrative he's coming uh they come after the administrative authority and you have to understand that that is a gift from god you do not abuse administrative authority paul could have went in there and just wrecked that church he could have wrecked them judaizers he could have wrecked the whole place because they that they must have forgotten who paul was <laughs> And that's, that's what happened. Some people think that because you are humble and because you are meek, they must forget who you was. <laughs> okay, okay. Let me close this wonderful message because I see y'all ready to get home to your crock pots or whatever you got cooking. So he said in verse 7, that's the only verse I want to deal with now. 
He said, don't look at the outward appearance. If any man trusts himself to be Christ, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ, even so are we. That has to speak to your anointing. Here we go. So when the enemy comes after your relationships, he's coming after your ability. He doesn't like the fact that you have relationships that enhance your identity. He's coming after your authority. Like who gave you that authority to move in that way? He's coming after your administrative ability. What you can do by administration. These are all, this is how you know relationships that bless you. Relationships that bless you enhance your identity. They are not threatened because of who you are. They encourage your authority. They encourage you to walk in the things. They can see you and they they don't have to be God in your life. Oh, you know, like they're the only ones that can pray it off of you. They're the only ones because God, God ain't hearing nobody else but them. Like you don't have that authority. Oh, and all that speaks to is your anointing. That's what it comes down to. The enemy wants you to dumb down your anointing. They, they were questioning Paul's anointing because of his appearance. They said he write good letters, but when he come present, he ain't going to be able to back them up. They must not know the anointing that was on his life. And that's what people say about you. Oh, you got good praise, but let's see if you can back that up in a fight. They must not know who you are. They must imagine. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Uh, imagine, imagine me dumbing down. Just, just like you're Christ, so am I. Why do I have to be threatened by who you are and your relationship with God when I have the same access? Is anybody getting anything out of this? I'm trying to get you to see how you're going to be able to achieve your dreams. You got to know who you are because some people get so stuck in church. They figure, well, I just need the pastor to pray for me. If he go ahead and pray for me, it's going to be a pray for yourself. I need, I need this. If I, oh, I've been going to church, I've been believing, I've been giving. Ain't nothing. What you, you're not operating in who you are. It, it's not a genie. You don't just come and think, it's, oh, I'm a tithe one time. And so God can go ahead and bless me financially. The devil is a liar. And yeah, you've been coming to church and you've been blessing God and you've been giving everything. And in fact, you are saved. But check this out. I'm about to. You don't have relationship with anybody. And the fact that you don't have relationship with the body that you operate in, it makes it easy for you to not be a part. Because relationship is going to take investment. And only people who know who they are know that they have something to invest. When I go to a church, I don't go to a church asking, what can that church do for me? I go with what I'm going to do for that church. If I join your church, your church is going to go up. I do not become another caseload for the past. I help lift the burden. Yeah. 
because I know who I am. Y'all better help me. I don't go in looking to take over authority. I don't go over looking to have a takeover spirit or need people to validate me because I know who I am. I know what I come with. When you go to a job, ain't nobody hiring you talking about why why should I hire you? Because I need a check. You're going to hire me because I am going to make your company go to the moon and back. You're going to hire me because you ain't seen y'all better. Can you imagine if everybody just had that attitude? Knew their anointing and their level. Okay, let me close this message because some of it ain't hitting some of y'all. But I'm just really trying to help you. What's my point? Never allow anything or anyone come between relationships that bless you. People that want to break up relationships that bless you. On the other hand, get rid of every relationship that ain't doing nothing for you. If the relationship is doing nothing but draining you and you are not anointed to be trained, let it go. Now, I told you people are in your life for a reason, but they are also in your life for a season. And you better learn how to figure out when the season is over. And some people, now I'm going to help married people out right now. My wife and I have been together for 15 plus years, right? 15 married, seven blood, about 25 years, somewhere around that number. We've been together. At every stage in our relationship, the need has changed. I don't need what I needed when we first started dating. Because I have since developed as has she. There's different levels. We are married. We are one. So ain't no leaving it. (laughs) Did you catch it? So when I grow, she got to grow. When she grow, I grow. The difference is when you are not in them type of relationships, you got to be willing to understand that just because I don't call you every day like we used to doesn't mean you're not my friend anymore. It's just that the need has changed. I have I have grown to a level that I no longer need what I used to need. It doesn't mean that I think I'm better than you. It doesn't mean that you're left by the wayside. It's just, y'all better help me imagine. Could you just imagine that I don't, I thank you for bringing me to the church. I thank you for praying me through some hard times. But now it's my time to pray you through some stuff. I can't keep carrying you all the way. You got to grow at some level and don't be mad when I step up and have to come on, y'all better help me. Imagine if, if all of us stayed at the same place when we first came to this church. We'd be a, a crippled, uh, a mentally disturbed ministry. Somebody got to grow. Every one of us can't be broke. Imagine. We need some people going to school. Somebody got to have a car. So why do I got to hate on you? See, see, what it is, it boils down to envy and jealousy. Some people don't like to see you blessed. 
They, they don't like to see you blessed. They don't like to see you happy. But let me go ahead. Come on, Christian. Let's have some church. What we need to do when the enemy comes, you know, whatever imagination that threatens who you are, threatens your authority, threatens your administration, yeah, and your anointing, you have to say, imagine. Go ahead, tap your neighbor. Say, imagine. Imagine me giving up my new name. Imagine me giving up my position. Imagine me giving up my home. Imagine me giving up my marriage. Imagine me giving up relationships that bless me. Imagine me giving up my sanity. Imagine me not blessing my children. Imagine me losing my peace. Imagine me losing my joy. Imagine me losing my God, my deliverer, my healer, my blessing. Can you imagine? Imagine me broke. Imagine that. Imagine me not preaching. Imagine that. Imagine next level not going to the next level if our name is next level. Imagine that. So I'm not going to dumb down who I am because you don't like the fact that I preach in Timberless and jeans. Imagine that. I'm not going to stop rapping because you think church people shouldn't have that type of music up in their church. Imagine that. Imagine me getting a pencil because you don't like seeing a pastor riding in a BMW. Imagine that. And imagine me going through all the hell of what I went through for me not to come up in this house and be as blessed as God wants me to be. And might I add, I love you to death, but imagine me dealing with y'all Negroes for 15 years. Oh my God. Preaching the same message over and over and over and over again. Imagine that. Now imagine me getting upset because you looking at me like you mad at what I'm saying. Imagine that. And as I close this message, you need to go ahead and tell the devil, imagine me leaving my church. <laughs> imagine me leaving my church. Uh, and if you're not saved, you need to say, the devil, imagine me going to hell because I got to live. Y'all better imagine. What? God ain't saved me from hell to go to hell. Imagine that. Now we're going to close and I'm going to go home and eat some good food that only you can imagine. Hey! Ain't that right, Mom? Steve need to be shouting right now, don't he? When you look over and you see that fine woman that God bless you with, and she's still with your level of crazy. Imagine that. Imagine that. I think God has a great imagination for what he does with us. Don't let anything bother your relationships. You, people, this time is 2022. 
People are dying like crazy. There is no time to waste with stuff that does not bring value to who you are. If we have to swallow our pride, if we have to whatever it is because people are losing their lives trying to be things that they are not for people who could care less. At the end of the day, when you laid across in a, if you get to lay, be laid across in a, whatever, a casket, a box, a urn, a coffee cup. They'll come, they'll cry about you, they'll leave, and they might fight over whatever you left, if you left anything, and go on with their lives. So just imagine all the stress that you deal with trying to make everybody happy trying to make everybody agree with what God has said for you to do you got one God to answer to you can't close, close your eyes and get in front of your maker and say it's cause Pastor Andre said something he hurt my feelings and I didn't want nothing to do with the church I just didn't like the way they always was talking about me I don't like them people I came I did he ain't gonna hit none of that ain't none of that gonna work not to mention the fact that you are if you are over 25 years old and still holding on to nonsense and got kids and you wonder why we got such a problem the problem is half of the grown-ups can't grow up I'm in my door I ain't gonna I'm, I ain't gonna my daughter that's me you going to the you going to the Hill House football game I'm gonna mess with y'all I'm gonna mess with y'all I don't even like football like that. I ain't never watched I don't watch football either. That's a fashion show. That's that when, when we did go, that's what it was. You you get flying, you go up there, and then I'm like, man, come on. Come on. You looking like a pedophile. You got you 70 years old, standing up against watching some kids. <laughs> Come on. Imagine. <laughs> Come on, let's give God some praise for his word. I want to put it so deep in your spirit that when the enemy says something crazy to you, all you say is imagine. Wait, next week he's going to tell you don't come to church. You say, imagine. What if everybody showed up for Bible study on Zoom on Thursday? Imagine. Father, we thank you that you've given us ability, authority, and anointing and administrative power to govern the things that you've blessed in our life. Help us to recognize the things that need to be there and the things that don't. 
God when people come and want to ask, why are you doing that? Why are you praising God? Why are you giving to that church? Why are you go out on the green and serve? Why are you doing this? Just pull down the strongholds. Some of us got strongholds that were erected in our childhood. We've never really become the church. We've just been playing church. Help us to understand who we are, what you died for. We thank you for deliverance, that you are our deliverer. I remember there was a time in my life I couldn't even imagine my life without drugs. I couldn't imagine what life would be without being high. But now that I can see, I remember the first time I recognized that the sky was actually blue. I never really looked at the sky. I was always looking on the ground. I was looking on the ground for cigarette butts, seeing if I could find. I never looked up. To be able to see what God has for you, what he wants for his children. Amazing. Let us refuse anything that comes in to break that. And we thank you, Jesus. We thank you that you broke down the middle wall petition, that we can have a relationship with our Father. For those that don't have a relationship, I pray, right now I want to give you the opportunity to change that course of direction. You don't have to come if you're online, Facebook, on TV. You just need to say this prayer. And if you're in this room, you just say this in your heart. Say, Father, I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus Christ died and rose for my sins. I ask that he come into my heart and live his life in me. Change me from the inside out. Give me godly desires, a godly taste. I thank you, Lord, for saving me. If you said that, you are now a member of the household of faith find you a Bible-believing and teaching church that will teach truth and show you the way. Father, cover us as we leave this place and not your presence. We give you glory, honor, and praise, grace, and peace.